feel like Travis at the beginning of backyard eating those sour cream and onion chips. What you need, blow that dope, don't get too hot from the third coast to the west coast. Come take this ride. Let me tell the tell how Jack turns got over one lost trip to the sky. Let me tell the tell, cause you told the tell when you said I can make it this high. Who knew? God damn it, who knew? The grass ain't green on the other side, it's just blue. You can really identify when you look in the eyes, who ready to ride? That's true. When they look in my eyes, they see that road. I got to tired, that juice. Had my back against that wall. Every time I feel so cold, my daddy ain't coming home till fall. That's why my pimp game so moist. Had that do-rag and all. Had a 20-year-old bitch in high school. Wasn't no telling what Travi might do. On the south side of the HOU. Hold up, let's take you back to that room. No car, but still had dropped. Just a hundred niggas standing outside. Life's a beach with a lot of sand on the lot. I'ma ride for all my niggas. Every ever here by my side. It was just eight niggas in a two-bedroom. No that room. That was last junior year for real. Yeah, special, we have special guest Kevin Lyman joining us later on in the episode. Super excited for that. Um, but yeah, man, let's let's get right into it. Let's talk new music. We have the much-anticipated The Voice times The Hero come together to collaborate and, and, and I guess, save the tri-state area or <laughs> Why'd East <you> Atlanta <laughs> or, <laughs> or East Atlanta. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, Lil Baby and Lil Dirk team up to uh, save the Atlanta metropolitan area uh, with their new Chicago too, 18 be. song long LP, Voice of the Heroes. Uh, yeah, one hour, one hour of new music. So why do you from, always from do the this? Guys. Please, please, please break down the, the anatomy of the album <laughs> with every features, time. With features from the likes of Travis Scott, Meek Mill, Young Thug, and Rod Wave. Thoughts? Questions, concerns regarding the project, fellas. I thought the features was interesting. Since you want to um, break down that part, uh, I thought they had a chance to like put on a bunch of their artists. They both like label heads, and the fact that they didn't do that, I thought that was kind of interesting because this is the second biggest rap project of the year. So you would think if you were ever going to put on an artist, make sure somebody on your label gets popping, now would be the time. But they didn't. They stuck with not basic features, but pretty basic features. Big name like Surefire. So. I thought that was surprising. You know, I came on here. I don't know if that was last week or the week before. And I said I was actually expecting to be surprised. I was expecting a great album. Um, that's not what I got. I was unfortunately a little disappointed. Um, I can hear the disappointment in your voice. This is also just my podcast voice, but it sounded all right in the car. It did sound good in the car. I'm not even going to cap. It sounded pretty good in the car. But once I put it back in the AirPods, it just sounded too basic. Um, I don't know. I just think the formula is tired. The formula is very, very tired at this point. Like a piano intro and then Lil Baby or then uh, Lil Baby starts rapping over like some emotional piano keys and then the beat comes in and then they have a hook and then <laughs> dirt comes in out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh snap, here's Dirk, and then the song's over. <laughs> like I felt like every song had that same exact formula. And there were some good songs on there. I liked okay. Um I like Travis's verse on Hats Off. I like that song, but Yeah. Not too much I'm gonna keep. Not too much I'm gonna keep from this album. Not too much stuck really. To personally. That, to that point, 
Yeah, man. I I just miss when rappers used to just like do crazy beat switch ups and shit. Maybe it was only a select few. Maybe I'm having selective memory, but I miss when you get a crazy beat switch up or you get somebody on this unorthodox ass beat or like they just try some experiment with some shit they never did before. But yeah, the formula is tired. Of course, like good production is able to cover up some of it. And, you know, if you got a whip, especially if you got subs for all my niggas with 10 and 12 inches in the trunk, some of these bitches gonna ride. And, you know, that's good for you. That's what they make music for. But it's definitely not one. Yeah, not, I don't see really a whole lot sticking. I don't really see me going back to too many. Favorite song by far for me was still running with Meek. I thought Meek, you know, he had good Meek verse. Uh, I like the production. And then I, I really love Dirk. Dirk verse on there. I thought he stole the show. Uh, there were a few other good ones on here. Up the side with Doug. Uh, I like 2040 hats off. Who I want. Um, but outside of that, it was. It was. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think. Okay, I'm not, I, I think, don't hate I think, it, but. I think Chance has become too much of an American businessman. I think Vance has been making too many R&B beats. This was a good project. It's I don't know what you guys are mad at. You guys are like I don't like the formula. It, it was exactly what I wanted. I remember like two weeks when I asked you guys. But it's exactly what go, I expected. Do you think so they're going to go just... superstar or do you think they're going to stay with the street? And we all predicted superstar, but they actually went with street. So that made me happy. They did the street sound. The street formula it was great bars. It was hard. It was good. I mean, you're it was right. only like three okay. misses. I think. The biggest complaint could be the 18 tracks, because then, yeah, if you're going to do a street formula, it's going to get tired gonna stick. eventually. Nothing's going to stick. But it's just 18, and like none of these bitches is just... I miss when songs, like, you go to an album, and it's just like songs is jumping off the track list. And maybe we haven't had time to sit with this one, so... Of course, our reviews are always going to be. That's the thing. I think. I think a the songs few days are going to hit in a few months. I think the songs are going to hit. I think like, there's several ones that will The stick. next coming months. I don't know, man. Like, it's just... None are like just jumping off. They, and that's just me. Isn't I that, guess I'm not like the craziest, biggest no... little baby, little Dirk stand. I like both of them a lot, but that is kind of a good thing. I agree with Taj. What? That there's no that you don't one. know what's gonna pop yet. I didn't say there was one, but there's none. No, that... I said that there's no. You said that there's no one that just pops off at you, and I said I think that's a good thing. I mean, except the one with me that I mentioned, but no. yeah, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> that's how I feel about it. What was your right, favorite? Uh, what's, what was your, your favorite song, Taj Money? My top three. I got a top three. My favorite song is Medical. My second favorite is Who I Want, and my uh, next favorite was probably Please. Uh, but I want. Who do you guys think? What was the percentage of like who ran it better? I had sixty forty in favor of Baby. Interesting. I probably skewed a little bit more, Baby. I probably was sixty five thirty five, Baby. Ooh. I figured Baby would do a little bit of a carrying, but. I ain't gonna lie, he ate Dirk up on a few of these jumps. Like, really? I had, I, okay, so I think I had more total punches landed by Baby, <laughs> but I probably had, like, higher percentage of, like, power punches of Dirk. Like, I think Dirk did more with the time he had, because a lot of the songs, it sounded like they were little Baby records, and then, like, Dirk was kind of like a feature. Um, I and see on what, some I of those songs, saying. and on some of those songs, I feel like Dirk used this little eight. Uses little sixteen bars and got got to it. That Meek song, he doesn't come on until like yeah, he ate probably like two minutes into the song, maybe a minute and a half into the song, and he ate. That's a top five that's, verse on the whole on the whole project. Dirk has saying, some high like, moments. Me saying it's cute, baby, don't mean Dirk was like shit. 
That's what I'm saying. I think it's just, I think that's the definition. I think it's actually skewed is the perfect word because it's just like from a from afar, it would look like, you know, Baby just ran it. Because that's also what he did. He did have the most time on the album, but I would say the Dirk track definitely didn't also disappoint. complimented Baby more so than, I, than Dirk, I felt like. You kind of get that feeling like with the Future and Uzi uh, collab tape. I thought it was more balanced than this one. This one just felt like more of a baby project, but that's just my opinion. The last one felt like an Uzi project to me. I mean, the, the Uzi Future one felt like an Uzi project that Future was hopping on. I'm glad you actually mentioned the Uzi Future and this one because, I don't know, I feel like both of those projects should have been projects that like people talk about for months and months, and Facts. both of Uzi them feel Future like they're just going to be here and gone. Well, like no, the, Uzi Future, the Uzi Future one, it was like here and gone, but then everybody kind of circled back and was like, okay. This was actually nice. We dissed this too early. Yes. And it's feel like, I think the same thing about to happen with this project. And that's just like interesting to me. The fact that these big artists, they're like all Uzi getting swept. greater than. I think week. I said from Jump. I mean, Uzi and Future is no, just you, a better project you dissed than this. the Uzi and Future. No, there's Jump. no time. There's no time. Like, no time is going to pass that's going to change my mind. Like, Uzi, that Uzi, and Fu- that Uzi and Future project, like, they got a few that's, on, that's in the rotation. Of course. I think I think it was just more creative, and I think there was I think there also was more there was a more of a dynamic. I don't know, like, is it just me or do Dirk and Baby just they don't seem to have like the greatest chemistry? Like I never was like even when this album came out, I was like, damn, like a Dirk and Baby album. I'm like, all right, but like this ain't something I was asking for. Like something in the back of my mind was like, yeah, they'll be great together on i don't think it's like i don't think it's like i don't think it, it's like the first um thought is like oh like little baby and dirk but i think it's when it, when you think like okay who would little baby be able to make a collab album with i think dirk is on a short list of names i don't think there's too many people baby would even be capable i mean he already did one with gunna like i like the combo mm. I, it wasn't one that I would have thought of. Like I know we asked that question of like which collab albums we want. I would have probably never named this one or thought of it. Never, but <laughs> never. It fits to me. I think they fit each other pretty well. It do fit, but it's also like it ain't nothing that I damn. I need like a whole album from you niggas. You know how like you got some <laughs> artists they get on a song together and you like damn. Like I wonder what a whole album would sound like. Like I never heard a Dirk and Baby song. It was like damn. Like I wish these niggas would just do like. 15 of these bitches like you know what i'm saying like i never thought that <laughs> well i gave i was optimistic i was hoping that we would get more different sounding music but like tosh said they stuck to the street sound so we get what we get all right chance your, your girl is coming soon snow allegra july 9th release date you know the title i don't even know the title it's pretty confusing what's, what's the title <laughs> let me go read that john the title is it's not a good sign temporary so- highs in the violet skies and we get a funky, I like the, uh, we don't talk about cover arts or nothing like that enough on here. I think we should talk, get into like that the a little bit. I like the back art. The back art is fire. Like the, the cover font, art is trash. The yeah, font I didn't care for the front. It seems like more of a switch up. Like, it was like, all right, oh, I'm Odie's feels or whatever. And now she's kind of like, I don't know. She looked like she about to get into her, like, summertime, like, bag. And I'm here <laughs> for it. You know what I'm saying? Marketing like, has worked on chance. She already released a full track list. We only get one single, Dying for Your Love. But, yeah, we'll Tangerine Dreams, Neon <laughs> Peach. Like, okay. Like, oh, but we still get the, you like, all right, what's going on? She indecisive, lost you in your eyes. 
it's like, all right, like, what we getting here, we getting a little bit of everything. So, I mean, this is the project uh, I'm most excited about this whole year so far. Damn, that's wasn't expecting that. Interesting take. Yeah, this is I, this is the project I've been most excited so, for. Do you think she's going to successfully follow up all those fills? I don't know. I don't. I don't think she could fail. Honestly, I think oh, she took her you time don't think with she this. Fail? Yo, these. Are I don't think she could fail, bro. That last project. Like, niggas don't think this crazy takes, but I'm gonna be right. Take. That last one was a classic, but it came out in 2019, which, which tells me. Did you hear and, that? And Snow, song Snow hasn't been in the limelight or doing singles. It make it. Some tells me she's been in the lab, like really working and crafting and honing an incredible project. And y'all acting like I'm crazy, but has she missed yet? No, I'm just saying that can sometimes be a. Uh, Telltale sign that you're about to miss Overthinking can very often lead to a miss But no, I agree I'm a fan of her older work more than even the last album So I'm a big on the Snow is kind of 3 for 3 No, I'm bullish I'm bullish on her stock I bought a whole bunch a while ago And I never sold it I buy a little bit more all the time So I'm I'm, I'm an investor We'll see if it pays off I'm bullish on Pierre stock TLOP5 drops this Friday I don't know if this is my most excited project But this is the project I'm most excited for at this point in the year. I was more excited for this project yes, than I was sir. the J. Cole project. Yes, I don't sir. know. I think it's because TLOP4 yeah, got me through That's all I wanted him to say. The that's drought. all I wanted to hear. It got me through that's the drought that was summer 2019. And now I'm just like, all right, I'm ready for this project. And this is the features. Apparently, there's multiple Cardi features. There's an Uzi feature. Son, the single for you? Come on, son. I'm, I'm, I'm very insane. excited. I don't even have to say anything. Todd has expressed all my emotions on this Pierre well, album. Vance, um, I'll ask you the same question I asked Chance. Do you think Pierre can follow up the very good album that was TLOP4 with TLOP5? I, th- I think so. I think so. I think I so, because you're also a producer. This, so was, like, this was for Vance. <laughs> oh, I thought I thought you said Vance and Chance. My fault. <laughs> um, I think, uh, I mean, I think he'll follow it up. I think the features, I think he's realized that features aren't his enemy. Um. And I think the Cardi features will complement him well. Did he have any other features listed other than Cardi? It was Cardi Uzi and I think like one lesser known guy. Let's see. Uh, Cardi Uzi and Slyark. Slyark. So somebody I don't know. Interesting. Well, I do think the Cardi features are going to help him. I do think. I think it'll complement him well. So I'm excited. Let's get a chance. Go ahead. Since we're running off the, the music. Let's get into somebody who's been a little bit controversial here on her. Migos announced Culture 3. I the entire group as if they were one. <laughs> 19 total tracks, 18 new ones uh, with features from Drake, Cardi B, Polo G, Future, Justin Bieber, Juice World, and Pop Smoke. Like, we, like I mentioned with the Polo G album when we saw those features, I'm, we didn't even announce that. We'll get to that next, but... Again, we got another case of niggas trying to assemble the ultimate stream team. Like, these niggas went and picked the all-star team on here. So, you already know. I mean, anything less than 120 would be a disappointment. But expectations, do y'all not care? How we feeling? I just think, at first, I was pretty excited for Culture 3. And then I saw the feature list, and now I don't know how to feel. Like, I don't know which direction this album is going. (laughs) (laughs) I'm seeing names... Straightening was like yeah, a trap single, place. but you have a Justin Bieber feature. Like, what's about to happen? <laughs> no, yeah, that, that Justin Bieber feature, I, oh, I don't boy. know how I want to feel about that. And they gave me the classic, That's... like, trap cover art of, like, we can't afford a graphic designer. We're just going to get somebody from like, our street to do the cover <laughs> art. So I'm like, okay, this is about to be, like, some real trap. But then, like, the features is like, okay, this is a real, like, industry project. I don't know. Let me ask y'all a question, bro. 
Do y'all ever um like when when artists announce like the whole track list? Do y'all ever go and like look at the names of the tracks and like make assumptions like what's gonna be the best song, what's gonna be the worst song, and just overall I honestly like never does this sound like a good album? Recipe for disaster. I don't get I because I, I yeah, remember no, I looked at I don't that. Know. I don't know why you would ever do that. Nah, I do that shit sometimes. Like you could just look at it. Like when I looked at that Scorpion project. And I saw Jaded. I'm like, yeah, this is gonna be the coldest song on I the mean, whole project. Like, come Drake on, this shit named Jaded. Like, like <laughs> this shit different. But I'm looking at these. I brought that up to say I'm looking at these names. I'm getting shit like birthday, vaccine, road <laughs> runner. Song I didn't called vaccine. I didn't, I didn't see these. Jane Birkin. I mean Jane, which is like in parentheses Birkin Mahomes. It's Mahomes like what the f- yeah. Mahomes do sound fire. <laughs> But birthday and vaccine sound <laughs> like skips. They just sound like skips. Modern day, avalanche. It's like, all right. The shit with the feature sound fire. Having our way, type shit, Malibu, Picasso with future. All right. I, I mean, I, know, I think Picasso they're going to eat up the features. Crazy. The feature's going to go crazy. I think the songs with the features, they can't miss. But I'm scared solo. What are they going to do alone? I have high expectations. The cover, art, Joe. the cover art was so goofy. I think and this so would bad. be better than Culture Two, and I don't. If <laughs> I don't Culture, think it, if Culture One is, if Culture <laughs> like, One is a, it's is be a nine in between and a, Culture One and Culture Two. And culture two. If Culture <laughs> One is a nine and a half right. out of ten, and Culture Two is what like a three and a half out of ten. Yes. This is gonna be a seven and a half. Bold prediction. Yeah, that, was, that was your actual prediction. That's that's not bold at all, James. <laughs> This is my Not bold prediction. This is gonna be a seven and a half project. You said it's gonna be exactly average. Like that's it's gonna be a seven and a half project. I'm going above average. I saw I saw a take on Twitter that um the worse the cover art is, the more fire the project is. So I think I'm gonna, I think this one's gonna exceed expectations just based on how shitty the cover art is. Um I feel the same way about Snow Allegra. That cover art is so whack on the front. It's just like <laughs> It's not bad idea. The artist isn't bad, but the execution is trash. Like, I'm sorry. Like, why do all? Why is Takeoff's dread just like cut off, like square? Like the bottom of his dread is square in the cover. If you look at it, and then all the glasses don't even match up. It's just is wonky. But I have good expectations. All right, last one. Let's ring it off. Round up the new releases. Uh, Polo G, aka Sir Capalot. Announced the twenty song. Why is that his name? Or he finally released a Capalot. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) he released the the final track list for his twenty song LP Hall of Fame uh, with features from the likes of Kid Leroy and Lil Durk, Lil Wayne, nigga named Scory, G Herbo, Ride Wave, The Baby, Young Thug, Roddy Rich, Nicki Minaj, Pop Smoke, and Five Year Foreign. So. Like 92 dream the, team 92 dream this team. is the dream team this is the ultimate stream team you feel me that's what we're gonna name this episode the ultimate stream team uh i mean he can't fail man like and, and i like it can you please stop saying that these artists can't fail listen listen i'm just saying for next you're week putting for him them on a dangerous pedestal <laughs> i'm saying you're putting them on a dangerous I'm he set himself up for success i mean outside of the baby he set himself for success commercially i mean he can't fail commercially all right that's let me preface that with this one. There you go. But I do have a lot of faith in Polo G, man, and I'm glad that he left some room on here. He put the the singles at the beginning, and he left some room on here for him to get his shit off on his own. A lot of features, but you know he kept it pretty balanced. So 
I think I think this should do well. 150 first week. I like Polo G's rapping a lot. I think I've just I've, I've said this on here, but I just don't think he makes good songs like I mean, again, I'm not the target demographic, I would say. So I don't know, maybe Rap Star is going crazy on TikTok. I mean, it was the number one song in America, so I'm not even trying to hate on it, but like that song's not that distinct in my opinion. Um a lot of Polo G music that I hear isn't like very distinct to where I think, oh, this sounds like Polo G beyond just his rapping, you know, with like some of our favorite artists. I feel like if you took their verse off of the song, off of some new unreleased music, and then you showed us just the beat, we would kind of be able to tell like what artist was on that song. You know, like if we heard some unreleased Travis, and you know, they maybe took the Travis off, we might be able to say like, okay, this sounds like Travis Scott, even without Travis on there. But I feel like Polo G beats without him on there just sound like tight beats that could be for like a multitude of trap rappers. This if I heard a Polo true. G beat, I wouldn't hear it and think like, oh yeah, this is that Polo G sound. And it's like, not that that's a bad thing that he's not there yet, but before you go super commercial, I don't know if it's the greatest idea because you don't really have anything to build off of. Like you do, but you don't. Everything's kind of just getting infiltrated. Like Roddy Rich coming from the top rope and then... Like, was Doja Cat on the album? No, I don't think no, so. No, she wasn't. Okay. She's just also releasing a song on Friday. I probably got it mixed up. But, no, yeah, it sounded like a, a stream team, as Chance said. So, we'll see. I hope he finds a, a more distinct sound. As a, as a fan and early stockholder of uh, Polo G, I'm very scared. I'm holding my stock, but I'm scared <laughs> of a massive dip after this project. I don't know. It just seems like he's swinging for a home run. It can very well be like a big miss. I just feel it. I'm like really scared. There's gonna be a lot of corny songs mixed with a lot of singles, mixed with a lot of chasing for radio hits, and not enough of the Polo G you came to like love in the first two projects. So I'm scared, but I hope I'm wrong. So we'll see. I don't know. Whenever I see the baby and Rod Wave on the same project, I know. I know what time. I, I know am. What time I do know on. what time it is. But that's what I'm saying. Like. <laughs> He's good enough solo to where, like, I believe if he could just, what do you have? He is good. He 10 is a songs solid with features. solo artist. If he could get seven, if seven with the features could be bangers, and he could just do what he normally do on on the solo ones, I think he'll be fine. But, yeah, I, I do agree with your, your critique, Vance. I'd be thinking the same thing. I'd be like, for some reason, like, I know this nigga is cold and he could rap, and there are songs I love by him, but. This but production just, is so fucking boring, yo. It'd be, it'd be so And then just some bass and a clap. It's like, okay. Yeah, the, I heard production, this. the production is boring. I heard this. Uh, y'all want to talk about Doja? New single? I'm, I guess. Uh, no, let's... Uh, no, no. <laughs> no? No, no. <laughs> let's get into the uh, Kevin Lyman interview. Uh, in, anybody want to unheard? Or you just want to get straight into the interview? Get straight into the interview. All right, three, two, one, Kevin Lyman. We're joined with a special guest this week, episode 66. We've got Kevin Lyman, creator of Warped Tour. He's also a professor of one of our co-hosts who raves about him weekly and his branding, Aquaman. Hey. So I'll let Vance take it away. Hey, man, um, when it comes to branding, partnerships, live event touring, anything you need to know about any of them, Mr. Lyman is definitely the aficionado. Um, 
I think Taj mentioned it, worked with Vans on the Warp Tour, started it, created it. And I think it was the longest running uh, touring festival in the United States. Yeah, it was the longest running touring festival in the United States. Uh, we went 25 years and we also took it out to many countries and or many different places, including Australia, Europe, Japan. It was a nice uh, nice <laughs> run for a bunch of punk rock skateboarders, you know? Um, not so, bad. like, I guess just to start, I mean, how did you come up with that idea for the warp tour or a touring festival were there many touring festivals at the time well i i worked on i actually was the first stage manager Lollapalooza in 1991 which was a touring festival before it moved to chicago and some of the other locations and i worked on i, I had worked on a few shows uh, and I, I worked in the clubs of la i worked uh, 320 nights a year around the venues of los angeles so i I was working around, you know, all the venues around town. Some of them you guys might know if you're out in L.A., the Hollywood Palladium, the Roxy, the Whiskey, all the well-known ones. And then a whole bunch of ones that are shut down or burned down. Depend, some of the neighbors burned down some of the old punk rock places when it got a little too loud. But, uh, yeah, so I eased into it. I understood the production of putting on events and festivals. I was a, a production background. And I'd done some world tours with uh, Nine Inch Nails and bands like Stone Temple Pilots and uh, Porno for Pyros, these bands, uh, a lot of alternative bands. And uh, I, uh, 1995, I was kind of working, doing some skateboarding shows and we were doing stuff, blending in charity events. So we talk a lot about in classes on how to blend, blend in charities into your events. So we, we were raising, raising money for AIDS research uh, and we were doing a, building a skate ramp and a, having a, a snowboard event. And then we'd have some of the bands I worked with play up in the snow and one day I was one day I was sitting there, but it's it's also about learning to listen. A lot of people we get so narrow focused sometimes we don't listen to others. And I overheard someone say, "Hey, there's going to be something called the X Games that that they're putting together, and the X Games were going to be." And I'd listen. I go, "Wow, all the stuff we've been doing on the coasts is going to get known a lot more if TV starts supporting it in some ways." And and there was a moment in time where I had to decide, like, "Wow, do I keep working for someone else or?" Do I just go out and try something on my own? So I, I wrestled up a few friends uh, and we went out and we did 25 shows. So it kind of got us in the, got a, like our tent pole in the ground. You know, I, I figure someone, it, you know, people say ideas, but ideas, how many novel ideas really are left, you know? Uh, you know, so we, it was something I'd seen in my environment that I grew up with. And we went out and were able to put that together. And, and in 1995, I realized that we'd been spending a lot of money on these brands. Uh, we, you know, we wear their clothes, we buy their shoes, we, you know, we drink their drinks. Uh, why aren't they supporting? They seem to support a lot of big pop artists, maybe things like that. I go, they need to support the people on, on, on the street level that, you know, in my world, and, and we should try to go get some of that money and bring them with us. And that's where that sponsorship idea came with. And, uh, you know, you almost make some mistakes when you're starting out. Uh, you know, uh, I think we talked about how I almost uh, had a Calvin Klein underwear. That probably wouldn't have gone over too well. But, you know, I got that meeting with Vans and uh, really, really hit it off with the CEO. Uh, I find that a lot of times if you get to talk to CEOs and, and they're no bullshit, basically, uh, and you have a good idea, they're going to give you a chance. There's no one trying to push you down. A lot of people try to push you down. And I had that moment and I just kind of had nothing else to lose. I really didn't at that point. Uh, I don't think I, you know, it's interesting now being a professor. It's my first real job, I guess, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, being a you know, professor, think yeah, 
My, I had to have a resume. I mean, when I, you, you, <laughs> even though I was, rec- I was recruited to come to USC, after they were recruited me, I came in and they said, do you have a resume? And do you have, and I never had a resume in my whole life. So, you know, I was kind of this guy, where just, you know, kind of, go, I, I say it like you just kind of go for it. So I went for it and it became the Vans Warped Tour in, uh, in 95. And I thought if I got to do this one time with some, or 96, it became the Vans Warped Tour, excuse me. The first year I went out with no sponsorships and I was back working in the club, the ne- clubs the next day getting home because I was broke. <laughs> but I started to put this together, how to, how to fund this whole thing. And uh, had this opportunity, and they stepped up and supported it, which kind of started leading me down this path of branded entertainment, where understanding the brands that the, the fan listens to and supports and wears, let's go out and try to get them to support music. And we started really doing it in a, in a lot of different things. And, and that led to you know the Rockstar Mayhem Heavy Metal Festival. I did a Taste of Chaos tour that did 23 countries. I, I did a tour um, early on with uh, right when Jay-Z was starting out called the Sprite Liquid Mix Tour. Um, I got brought in to help him you know, on this tour and I did a lot of street skating. Uh, you know, It was interesting because we wanted to have uh, graffiti artists and things and because I was doing art on skateboarding and I found graffiti artists and if you guys live in LA or been around LA you always wonder how those overpasses got graffitied uh, yeah those so, odd spaces yeah you always wonder like how did they get up there so I kind of put the word out and these guys showed up at my house uh, you know now we all wear masks but they, the guys at your door showed up with masks they weren't sure if I was a cop like trying to bust them for painting on the 101 and uh, I brought them in and we built overpasses and we did this whole you know kind of thing and I really would have worked, but it was driven by Coca-Cola Sprite. And sometimes when a brand tries to run a, their own events, it doesn't really work. So that first year, we worked Jay-Z, NERD, The Roots, Tribe Called Quest, That's OAR. Very, very, very cool tour. Very cool. Did really well. The second year, uh, we were trying to suggest bands. And I, it was going to be Buster Rhymes and Ludacris, I thought would be very cool. They were very hot at that moment. And uh, I actually told them, you should make Jay-Z a partner of this thing from the beginning and bring all the young artists he worked with. But Coke wouldn't do it. They wanted to control the brand, which was a mistake, or this thing would have been probably still going now. Um, And that's when a brand looks at you and goes, well, Buster Rhymes drank a Pepsi in a video. And I think, you know, uh, Ludacris, he he doesn't fit our brand. And we went out with two other acts and... We went out with OAR, which I don't know if you know. They're kind of a jam band. <laughs> did not fit the vibe. And uh, we did go out with NERD, which was Pharrell Williams. which I, It's a nice mix. And, you know, but not really for what we were trying to do. Um, and, you know, it, so it, it only lasted a couple of years. So I've worked on projects that have lasted a couple of years. Some that lasted 25 years and some in between. But love the idea of finding an authentic ways to get brands involved with your projects. That was always a big thing for me. I'm interested in that, uh, the year one versus year two of the Warp Tour. Like you went from no vans to vans in year one and year two, like that difference. Like, can you explain the difference of well, being the founder when it's like, you got to go work at the club the next day, you're still broke versus, all right, I've got vans back in this thing. Like, what was that like? Well, I think I got back to even after that first year. After the second year, Vans gave me the, some revenues to at least break even that second year. Okay. Uh, and then I had sold my merchandise rights. And I'll tell anyone out there, don't give up your merchandise rights, you know? Yeah. Um, I had sold my merchandise rights for 100 grand to get the thing off the ground, ground in 1995. And 
Walter, such a good man, said, look, Kevin, I'm going to give you 100 grand to go buy the merchandise rights back. And the merch company didn't make any money that first year. They didn't understand what I was trying to do because I was letting bands sell T-shirts for $10. I was like, you know, we were not being that rock and roll T-shirt at 40 bucks. So mm-hmm. I think it cost them money. So they were more than happy to give me my merchandise rights back the first year. Uh, so I always tell people, don't keep your merchandise rights as long as you can, because eventually that's where we made our money. Um, we broke even on the tour or lost money. It wasn't about selling tickets at a high price. We kept them as low as possible. And at the end of the summer, we came home with some sponsorship money and some merchandise money. It was a good model. That's nice. Uh, that is a nice model. But, you know, having vans on their vans was coming out of bankruptcy, but they're the shoe I grew up wearing in California. Your mom would drive, drag you down to the L.A. County Fair. There was two pairs for 10 bucks. They were the, all the seconds they would sell at the, at the... It was the only way my family could afford uh, uh, vans, and they would sell two pairs for 10 bucks, And... They might be mismatched colors, but who cared at that point? You know, you had shoes to go to school and, and, you know, so it just was synonymous and, and we had that relationship for, that still goes on. I mean, tomorrow I'm, I'm going to be on their television show and, and we still work on projects together. And I talk to Steve all the time and it just, it was a great run, but you know, sometimes you got to realize that, you know, we made it a long time, but it was time to, I did everything I could with that project. You know, and, and one of the things I spun into teaching at school was I want people that I'm teaching to you want to download some of this knowledge while you still can remember it, because eventually I'll forget all this. Right. That's why I'm also doing my podcast, because you got to get the stories down now before you forget what they were. Recording, and then uh, yeah. but pass on that knowledge, because I think you could do smart. You could do good things and do good business. And I think the generation that you guys are in are recognizing it that. Yeah, it's, I, I did better financially than I ever thought, but I was never driven by the money. I knew I had to make, like, be responsible and fiscally responsible, but 90% of the things we ever did were not about the money. And you know what? The money will come eventually. Turn your back and they'll shove a knife in your ribs. A father raising a gun while his son is fighting a bid. Ironic, cause he ain't really have nothing nicer to give. You live the life that you loved and you'll love the life that you live. So what's the price if you did? Love life, but can't afford a club night with champagne taste. Money is Bud Light. You telling me to be negative? That's your blood type? It's hard to sleep in the bed you made when the bugs bite. I'm sleepwalking. I come outside when the streets darken. Try not to oblige when you hear greed talking. I'm Frank White. It's no plea bargain. King of my city. I'm a survey damn fiend that I see walking. Don't be threatened. I teach lessons. Don't call me king because every king suffered a beheading. It's seven deadly sins. Better preach, reverend. I sever limbs with this sweet weapon. You better keep Stepping, I'm taking off, I'll see you all soon What's a mogul without his money? A soldier without his war wounds I'm hieroglyphics in a lost tomb These are the facts, if you're the richest in here Then you in the wrong room Shucking and jiving, get you called coon Yeah, we all goons, you a cartoon You play a shark cool, I can get you harpoon I talk to him like Malcolm under a dark moon Harsh Would you say that the, uh, like that authentic factor Helped you move in and out of different partnerships? easier i feel like we talk about a lot on the show um like authenticity and rap music and like how valued that is in the music I've, it's interesting hearing you talk about like how valued authenticity is in finding partners for live touring events like you said the exit with vans you guys kind of just like mutually knew that it was time to finish that project do you think that was like um 
an easier process off of the strength that it was an authentic partnership to start? Yeah, well, Warp Tour, yeah, absolutely. That was the one where my heart was in all the time. That's where I grew up. I wanted to see that continue going forward. Uh, I Then if I, if I worked with someone else on another project, after learning certain le- lessons, and I think that Sprite Liquid Mix Tour was one, that you need to ha- make sure that whoever creates these things has as much passion as you did for your lifestyle. Uh, you could then bring your knowledge and help them avoid the mistakes that you made to get there. But just being there. So I had some really, you know, fun projects later on. I, I, I worked with bluegrass artists on the Oh Brother Where Art Thou down from the mountain soundtrack with T-Bone Burnett. So I'd come in and just use my knowledge at that point. But that's where you have to become a good listener. You know, you get me around my music and my thing. I could talk about it forever. But then there's moments where you just have to listen and you extract little bits and pieces, you know, and, and branding, you know, who would ever think we, we, I always say when we start, you know, classes is like, I didn't think ever in my life I would talk about as important as branding has become. So you could ignore it, but to be <laughs> successful, you have to embrace it in your own way. Uh, on, on that vein, yeah. uh, I guess what are some of the most authentic or what are some of your favorite I guess, brand deals or, I guess, brand pivots uh, that you see in the industry now? Well, and, yeah, we, we, you know, like I say right now, you know, it, it's like you look at, there's certain artists, like you go back, you know, Jimmy Buffett, we talked about a bit in class early on. Oh, but yeah. right now, Travis Scott is like, he's the golden ticket for a brand right now. I mean, he, he just, like, he comes off and, and it feels authentic. I believe that he, he's getting involved, but he's involved in so many different things now. Um, you know, I thought it was crazy with his cacti drink that he sold the whole brand before. It, I think it mm-hmm. even hit the market, you know, pretty or, much, you know, pre-orders, um, pre-orders. that people yeah. look at him, that he is connected with a generation of people um, in a way that they trust that they trust when he gets behind something, you know, I, uh, I like, you know, and that was a question like McDonald's, you know, that's like talk about, an established American brand when he stepped up and said he was going to put out his Travis Scott meal. That was a really like that. I think that was a test. Like he's, he's pushing his boundaries and his confidence level of how far out he could go. Um, you know, and he, he's done an amazing, amazing, um, amazing work with that. You know, I just, uh, and every time he does something with it, it feels mm-hmm. like it's just natural for him, you know, um, you know, in, in, in the world of, you know, my mentors and you know and I, and we always talk about mentors and i i think i've mentioned to to you vance you know that ice t has been a great mentor to me you know he's authentic as anyone i've ever met but he keeps it he hasn't changed much he's just changed along as he grows right, and it's changing right. as you grow like it'll be interesting to see travis scott mm-hmm. in 10 years what he's doing you know where he's going because i think he's going to potentially he'll keep evolving and i think his fans will evolve you know um, in my world, it was always like you wondered if a band like Blink-182 could still be telling those jokes when they're almost, you know, in their mid-40s. They seem to go over somehow. But you're watching this whole world of my music that's kind of like people maybe learned in my parking lots how to collaborate and things. Machine Gun Kelly, the success he's having, he started on the Warp Tour. And now wow. he's kind of progressed into that. And he's bringing along all this bands and scene that he probably learned a lot from the hip hop world, how all the collaborations were. You're seeing right. more in rock now. That's what I was like, you know, it's like artists pulling each other up 
is very important to keep a song a, a scene strong and I've seen string s scenes not do well with it the heavy metal world has never been that great at it you know they're always like beat the young bands down beat the young but we only want to be the headliners we want to be the headliners forever and then a then mm. the scene just gets old you know so really have a, really love what he's doing uh, Rihanna's done some great things uh, you know I, I think it People are really recognizing the power of music again. Now, we could take it to the, the whole world of TikTok right now. And Let's take it yeah, there. we talk you about know, it. If you guys might know, we're talking to the pre-call about that. Um, you know, this could be a sign of me getting old, but I <laughs> am a little worried that I don't know if these artists are going to sustain a career past a short blip in time. Yeah, and that's, we talk about that all the time, too, and they call me old. I mean, they kind of agree. Yeah, that's a big thing. And Ben <laughs> says has this thing. He's like, music isn't music anymore. It's just like who can make the best ten second snippet, and it's like that's kind of valid. That's kind of what TikTok is like. Who can make the catchiest snippet? But I don't really see how that transforms. Like I think this was last episode we we're talking about. Oh, there's going to be a whole bunch of awkward like concerts now because like how's that transforming past online? Like when they actually have to perform. I mean, and that was really, I was always really careful with that. When artists would come up and I'd hear a great song, but could they perform live, you know? And it, this industry ultimately depends on live events. Yeah, Travis Scott. Being good on stage is important. It's, it, to have a real career, you better develop a live show. And the, I think the jury's, we saw the same thing going on with YouTubers at one point and MySpacers, YouTubers, you know, uh, now, you know, now we're seeing it on TikTok, but you got to realize the labels don't care. They don't care if you're a one hit wonder. I mean, to be, I, I mean, I'll be straight up honest because that song, they can invest in that song and it goes into their catalog. Oh, right. And, and they're just going to collect streaming revenues forever. Forever. On yeah. And there, and, and that will be there. Now it'll be very interesting in, in, this time because so much of has, has happened over COVID and the pandemic. How much are they thinking about how to develop these artists for the next three, five, 10 years, or do they care? Yeah. I was That's just going to mention artist development. Do you have faith? Um, we've talked about this one artist, Saweetie. She's actually a USC yeah. graduate. Um, and she went on Instagram and talked about how she was entering like an artist boot camp. Um, to help her gain like live performing skills, gain her confidence, stuff like that. Like, do you have faith in the labels to develop these kind of viral sensations into real artists, or like you said, do you think they'll just continue the mentality of we don't care, we don't care? Because like I, I feel like we're losing a lot of stars, like the A-listers. We don't have too many new A-listers emerging, at least in hip hop. Well, you know, in our world, it was you know, my world of music was a lot like you know, you saw an artist like Lord, uh, who had just this massive, huge song, huge song, went right to the you know, Coachella festivals and all that, but has struggled since because how it's, for me, it's always been, and I have a lot of bands I work with that you don't, you, know, you don't see a lot of gold records or platinum records, maybe, maybe a gold one eventually, but they've built careers that have lost, right. lasted 30, 40 years now. And I always say, would you rather be doing what you love 30, 40 years, you know? Uh, I hope, but it does worry me that we're into this time right now that we're going to, we'll see it in the next year, year and a half, who of these 
TikTok stars, and there's a lot of them getting signed right now, will be still around. And then, you know, you, you know or they're going to have that instant stardom. How do they transfer to the live show? And, you know, and then the mental health ramifications if it doesn't connect for them. Yeah, because nobody's supposed to handle that much virality and then kind of be dropped off or shelved, as the label will call it. Like, you know, and, and, and you did mention, I, I, I feel, and I'm, I'm not as tied to the hip-hop scene, but, I mean, there was a moment in time where it was a lot of people said, hey, Kevin, you need to go get people like Tadeshi and these kind of people and bring them out on Warp Tour. And we had a lot of hip-hop on Warp Tour, but it was artists that I kind of knew or understood, and then they were looking at it. I think a lot of those artists were being managed by friends who were not prepared for the real world. And to lo- see how many artists we lo- have lost to drug overdoses in the last few years or violence again, you know, it's, it's, you're being, you're man- being managed by your fr- friends in a very fast paced society. And, you know, you know, and I think I've mentioned it in class and I'm very honest with people. I'm like, no denying. And there's a lot of drugs around. You, people are going to experiment. But man, fentanyl's wiping people out. Yeah, you know, so yeah. so you're gonna have to have mentors around, and I just don't know if the new hip hop scene has those mentors. That I mean, they, they're, maybe there's a not. Few, you know, it's been a long going fight for like mental health resources and uh, dr- like drug addiction resources at the labels to help out with these artists because the artists are making them so much money. You know, it'd, it'd be just a nice offer to offer some mental health resources or something like that, but. I think the complaint is kind of still active that there are no resources right now. And what happens if we don't develop, you know, this is something like Live Nation and AEG. What happens if they don't get arena artists down the road? A lot of those old arena artists are dying off, you know, or now selling their catalogs for hundreds of millions of dollars. It gets a little harder to get on a tour bus, you know, with your creaky back and creaky legs and, (laughs) And jumping on the road for two, three months, you know, when someone's just handed you 150 to $200 million for your catalog. You know, I always thought it was the old artists getting their catalogs. And then my friends, the Chili Peppers, just sold theirs for about $150 million. And wait, they're my age. So now I'm, I'm in that category now, you know. So uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's a business that's there's a lot of challenges. And I think, you, you know, the younger generation's smarter and they're looking at it a a little differently, the ones that I'm taught working with in business that they're looking at, okay, we're going to have to, there's going to be a need to build in things like mental health for artists before they go on the road. Give right. them the tools before they go on the road so they can avoid some of the problems that come up on the road uh, or what lead, signs that lead to mental health on the like road. Like prevention, prevention, prevention rather than trying to react after they've already yeah. had an overdose or something. I, I yeah. think that the... The whole, the show must go on, you know, that was the term we have, the show must go on. It doesn't have to go on. We're realizing that there's a moment when the show needs to stop. I sent shots in the mail, but I beg to differ. Think you won't tell, bro, I beg to differ. Spoke to your girl when we went for dinner. Dip when they hit 12 and she left the slipper. Do it by myself, cause it's less trivia. Think you're stressing me, huh? Yo, I beg to differ. Second off the shelf, bro, I beg to differ. Think it's someone else, bro, I beg to Yo. differ. Don't hear my soul, less it's money in hand. Labels that rang, moving funny with gang. Let it bark in the park, man, I'm done it and ran. But they wanna tell me about our government plan. Say we did it, cause we never had a chance. No one boys in the hood hit us like an avalanche. Tell them break a leg, now they wanna grab an arm. 
Now they got a tag, all they wanna have is palm And it's hard, no milk in the yard Bills my marsh discard, cause she ain't made the half And you really think I'm taking the last place? Don't make me laugh, made the one they envy But they can't hate I'm the one that they doubted, you know Try to take me down and we going out together And to really think that we were brethren, you know Think you'll do that shit again, but I beg to differ whole mental health and like a uh, mentor like element that's something interesting because we talked about like one of chance's favorite artists is um nba young boy and he's like we all believe like young boy could be well Ch- chance and i believe vance is the biggest young boy fan i believe i believe too i believe he has the potential yes <laughs> but chance and i we think I he's like potential. young boy could be one of those quote-unquote arena artists but he's like one of those guys who like stays in trouble he's like like what are you doing like how do you think artists like that because they obviously young boy's the biggest youtube artist in the world so there's like pull to his name, but the trouble and everything else. How do you think that's affecting like branding deals and like tour slots, stuff like that? Well, I you know it's one of it's sadly it's 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 you know, will he make it through? You know, does he make it through this? You know, um, is there that moment that someone steps in and maybe someone who's been through it themselves as an older mentor sits him down that he respects? You know, or is you know sadly. You know, does it become a statistic? And uh, there's not a lot in between, sadly. You know, you, you know, it's hard to figure all this out, especially when the money comes fast. Yeah. You know, you know how to 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 let that let that money up here slow slow down and catch up with with who you are and where you're at. Um, and people get fat big real fast now. It it's it goes real. Everything goes. Everything's accelerated. I wanted to. Uh, this is something me and Van, we were, I think we saw Lil TJ and he was like performing at some random venue, and we were like, Lil TJ is bigger than this venue. But then Vance like brought up how like COVID happened and now everybody's rushing to book things right now, and how like these artists are having to settle for like whatever they can get. How do you see the whole return of like live shows like playing out? Can you cuss on your yeah. show? <laughs> You're good. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> it's going to be a shit show, <laughs> to be honest. You know, uh, every like you, everyone's rushing back. Got it? You know, you see festivals being announced every day. Yep. Every day. <laughs> every day. You're seeing venues and shows, and now the, the festivals are being announced because they're like weekends. But I, I'd say in the next three to six weeks, you're just going to see the tours coming. But the problem is, everyone's trying to book the same venues, and everyone's trying to. And venues still might be going out of business. We don't know. A lot of venues right. are shut down. Are they going to get that money? The government money hasn't gotten to people. Are they going to get to? So all these tours are going to go up. Um, arenas, uh, Atlanta. I was talking to a friend down in Atlanta, and he said there, you know, there's four arenas in Atlanta, and they're going to be booked at 105 percent next year. Like, you will not. They. So who's going to work all these mm-hmm. shows? Where are all the skilled riggers and all the people that work on these shows? So I think. You know, it's it's going to be a mess. We've lost a lot of bus drivers, truck drivers. They've gone into other lines of work. There's going to be a weird vacuum for a while. So he probably grabbed that. He wanted it. It was available. They were willing to do sh- go in and do it. You know, take and I, it. You know, yeah. and I and I've been hearing that some of the bands' offers. You would think at the festivals they're getting good money again, but people know that there's only going to be a limited amount of real estate for venues. So the artists are getting low offers to come play the venue because they what are they going to do? Skip. Atlanta, skip New Orleans, you know, skip Baltimore. 
Maybe Baltimore Vance, but no, it's cool. <laughs> I understand that. I, I didn't want you to say Baltimore because we do get skipped often. Yeah, no, I was just going to say. But, DC, uh, DC, good enough. Say, yeah, you're going to roll go down. Everyone wants to play down at, in DC at uh, 320 or National or exactly. Merriweather or something. But we are going to have a shortage of venues. So I always say that you know, a lot of people I know own coffee shops and stuff that, you know, maybe it holds 100 people, 200 people, maybe max. I said, there's going to be people that need a show one day. That That's needs true. a show in your city and every venue's booked. So you might get that little downplay. You know, you might get that. They don't, want to, they don't want to take a day off. So they're going to come play your venue. Maybe you're going to charge a little bit of a, make a special show out of it. Um, you know, streaming's still going to be here. We talk a lot about where that's going to sort out right now. No, streaming is what, like streaming shows. No one wants to stream shows right now. You know, no one want to watch stream yeah, shows really. because... The beaches are opening up. <laughs> the parks are opening up. The downtowns are opening up. Right, I'm not sitting in my. I'm not sitting yeah, in my house. I, I've already been sitting in my house for a year. <laughs> I'm not sitting there watching this band. I, I got to go out. I'll go watch the guy playing down at the community park just to hear live music. And then true. And then, but come come August, September, when all the venues are booked and everything's going on, does this become a time when a band can do a special show? And you know how to watch a band streaming, but you haven't been watching them with like 20 of your friends, three, three 12 packs of white claw that you can afford. You're not paying 20 bucks for parking. And then all of a sudden that becomes like watching a UFC fight where it becomes watching a cool a concert, you know, streaming comes back in. But right now, no one like you, you like sitting here watching you guys. I'm like, I can't I barely can sit on the screen right now to do anything because I want it's sunny outside. I could actually go out and see my neighbors. I can go hang out with them a little bit, you know? So I think, uh, you know, it's, there's a time, but there's gonna be a lot of jobs. If, you know, a lot of jobs. If people want to get out and work in the live music business, there's going to be a lot of people hiring people, um, getting your foot in the door right now. Uh, I tell people, just get your foot in the door, take the job. It may not be the job you want, but there's gonna be 10 other jobs in about six months that are going to be out there that you might be qualified for, but it's easier to get a job when you have a job. Yeah, that streaming thing is interesting because, like, uh, I was talking to a friend the other day who's from Brazil, and he was telling me that um, this, uh, I think they call it funk over there, but it's kind of like rap. Uh, Their funk scene in Brazil, they have, like, two or three prominent groups that are doing, like, YouTube live shows, and they're streaming, like, five, six hundred million streams every single video. So it's, like, when I saw that, I thought it was interesting because, like, Chance nodded his head or shook his head like we don't we don't want to watch live shows in the U.S. But seeing that those numbers in Brazil like almost let me see the possibility or the potential for them if if they're done right, because well, yeah, the I mean, production value was very high and all of that stuff. Yeah, so. And, you know, you see the venues now being wired. Live Nation's doing all their venues. There's other groups wiring venues that you do a special show. You might be able to serve an international audience that you may not be able to tour to for a while. So right. you could you could service people a little differently. So I, I think streaming's not going away. It's just going to transform. There'll be you know five six companies kind of controlling the market. You know everyone everyone ran a streaming company uh, during uh, COVID. All you had to do is have a Vimeo a, a Vimeo account and a Shopify, and you were in business. You know, I'd sit here all day long and my Kevin, where I've opened a streaming company. I've opened a streaming company, but you know it's narrowing it down to you know five or ten right now. I have one more question, then we we can let you go. Sure. Uh, I just I was no curious worries. about the whole like parody and like this whole festival and like 
in the festival scene in general, oh, yeah. just parody and how like festival culture, all festivals kind of feel like like even if I miss like Rolling Loud Los Angeles, I can catch like a different festival like a week or two away. Like, how do you as someone who has like been heavily involved in that realm, how do you view the whole like each festival is kind of the same like. There's no real niche well, I, festivals like that anymore. There, you know, I think there. I think there's room for niche festivals. I think people are going to create unique niche festivals. I, we start to see them around L.A. You know that some people are doing them like this weird night, like strange '90s festival, very focused for ten to fifteen thousand people. I think you know. I think there's going to be a, some people are going to be worried about going to a show with a hundred thousand people. You know, so I think there'll be some falling out. But like we said, we only have so many headliners. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we need to develop people that can headline festivals because same same artists, same same two dozen artists seem to headline all the festivals. Right. That's why it's so boring. Exactly. You know, um, and I think niche festivals kind of creating, you know, we've done it in the punk rock world pretty good. You know, we don't do too many of them. Some guy tried to come in and do a whole lot of them and he almost killed the market. Uh, but, you know, it was like, you know, do one in Orange County in the spring and we'll do one in the fall warp tour comes through during the summer. That's a little different, but then that's it. We don't need eight of the same festivals in the same market, you know? Um, you know, and he used to like throw punk rock in a taco, punk rock in a beer, punk rock in pirates. It was like, dude, we don't need any more punk rock in Southern California for a while, you know, but you, it gives the customer choices too, you know, that, you know, you, and that's where like things like Coachella, people love the, the atmosphere and that there's certain festivals that the atmosphere, uh, you know, jazz fest down in new Orleans, that one's just going to get people. That's going to always people that great festival. I don't know the atmosphere. I've, I've gone a couple times and all I did was stand in the mud. <laughs> up to my knees. So, you know, if you're into mud wrestling, it's cool, you know, but um, it was, uh, you know, there's things that the culture of new Orleans drives the, the jazz and heritage festival, going to the festival and then going out at night and going into all the little clubs and seeing what's going on. But, you guys have a lot of choices, you know, so you can't just find a field and throw up a festival anymore and think you're going to be successful. It takes a lot of curation, a lot of thought and something on how to stand out a little bit. Definitely. All right. That was my last question. If chance of us to have anything left, we'll see three, two. All right. Nope. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, <laughs> professor. All right. Thank all right, you, you guys. so much for taking be safe. Time out. And are you guys all back at USC next yes, year? Sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes. Well, come track me down. Hopefully, we'll see each other in person, all right? Thank you, Mr. Lamb. Perfect. Podcast over, dog.